Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the place I talk about a lot of dad stuff, a lot of guy stuff, family stuff, you know, all the things we think about, I sit here and I try to talk about. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me today. All right. I hope you all had a great weekend, a great week. I just wrapped up a lovely camping night with my oldest daughter, Olivia, last weekend. It was for this program. What is it? Youth group. Dads, well, it's Dad's Club, that's what it's called. It's this group of dads, duh, that are affiliated with the school, and they do fun things, kid-focused activities, they raise money for the school, so it's kind of cool, kind of fun. The kids seem to really like it and enjoy it. One of the events they have is called Dad's Campout, and my daughter really wanted to do it this year since the last couple of years with COVID, they were all canceled, so she's been kind of bummed out, so... Yeah, we were for sure doing it this year. Get the camping gear ready, Dad, because she was all in. So I dug all this shit out. Hope the rodents hadn't chewed holes into it or anything like that. Loaded it up in my truck, and we headed up to the school on Saturday afternoon last weekend to get this all set up. Which, side note, it still takes a lot of shit just to camp for even one night. I mean, I guess it's still all the same stuff, whether you camp for one night or four nights, but... Still, there's a lot of work there just for one night of camping in a tent. But it's for the kids, Justin, right? It's for the kids. So we get to the school, find a spot, unload, and start setting up, which was actually a great experience, even the just setting up camp part, asking Olivia's opinion on things, giving her some responsibility and some tasks. She helped me set the tent up, set up the bags on the inside where we were going to sleep, and then we got our chairs out. Sat down, had a little snack, reflected a little bit on our nice accomplishment that we just got done. It was kind of cool. Anyways, fast forward, Dad's Club grilled out a bunch of food, so we ate dinner up there. She played on the playground with a bunch of her friends, and I proceeded to sit there, looking at my phone, doing really nothing. Talked to a few parents, you know, those awkward conversations to parents that I don't really know. And then I kind of started to feel a little bit guilty. Watching this dad's club or dad's group hammering out all these different things with the food and the drinks and just busy little bees everywhere just doing their thing while I sat there scrolling through my Facebook feed. Then I started watching them assemble dessert. It was s'mores. These two guys laying out all these trays, putting crackers on them, building these little s'mores to put up on the barbecue. Well, that's where my guilt got me. I walked over, put my phone away, asked if they needed some help. Well, they gladly accepted, so I gloved up with the plastic gloves, and I started building these little towers of crackers and chocolate and marshmallows one by one. And I think we actually built 200 or more of these little bastards. I mean, there were a lot of kids there for sure, but it got handled. We, We took care of it, got it done. The kids went crazy for them, lining up. They were even asking me, which I thought was kind of weird. I was even called Sir. Some of these random kids, though, were just looking at me as an authority. I had the power of the s'more, I guess. I think that was an interesting moment for me, though, that I am this person, this parent, also this person of some authority to these other kids that are not my kids. They're just other kids. They're looking up to me as the grown-up, you know? And it it was just kind of a, a weird realization, I guess, that we're role models, all of us, all of us adults. The kids are watching us, and I think it needs to be a constant reminder in the back of our minds that not just our own kids are watching 
and looking up to us and emulating us, but even other kids as well. And honestly, even some adults are looking on and looking up to us and and judging us, I guess, in a way. I mean, I guess I even looked up to those guys that were volunteering for this dad's club and I was like, man, that's cool that they're doing that, you know, so it's not just the kids. But it really does matter how we handle ourselves and conduct ourselves. Sorry, kind of went off on a jag there, but I think it was really good for my daughter to see me step up and lend a hand when I didn't have to. No one asked me to. I just saw a need and I got up and I did it. And a lot of times I think actions speak louder than words. Now, I don't know, did she even notice? Did it have an effect on her? I have no idea, but I would like to think it did or think it would. Anyways, the evening started to wind down. So the flyer for this campout thing said it was lights out at 9.30. So finish watching the little movie they put on and then we'll head to our tent and get ready for bed. Now, apparently 9.30 isn't strict or some people didn't get the memo because there were kids still running around and screaming and yelling like the freaking Lost Boys for quite a while after 9.30. There was even a group of adults about 20 feet away from where our tent was at. They were up talking and laughing and telling stories until 11 p.m. or so. A little bit obnoxious. Kids are here. They're trying to sleep. I mean, it's fabric walls. We're in tents. I'm trying to sleep, and you guys are over there telling stories and cussing and shit, and I'm just like, uh, okay, I guess. Just kind of goes back to that role model stuff. But all in all, it was a really great experience and weekend for my daughter and myself. I forgot, actually, how awful it is to sleep on the hard ground. It's pretty brutal. I don't recommend it. I should have brought my airbed. Figured one night can't be that bad, but it kind of sucked. But it was good, though. It was good to bond with my kid and just have this experience. This actually brings me to another topic or another point I wanted to mention real quick, and that's volunteering. And maybe someone can DM me or get a hold of me and let me know what the proper protocol is there because I have no idea. I'm new at this. I have a second grader and a, and a pre-K, so I'm not really well-versed in how much volunteering goes on. But you have room parent, you have room volunteer, dad's club volunteer, PTO group, volunteer there, you can volunteer for the field trip, you can even volunteer and substitute teach, I think. But yes, there's a lot of boxes to check with all this volunteering stuff, and I don't know where I should fall into that. I know it's not mandatory, but is there some sort of expectation there that every parent should do some version of giving their time to the school? Now, I'm not complaining about volunteering. I mean, okay, no one really wants to do it, right? But there is an obligation, or at least it feels like there is. I mean, it helps the kids out. It's for the kids, man, right? I can't forget that. And I think a lot of us, including myself, we get that bystander effect a little bit where we think other people are going to step up and do it and take care of it or other people will want to do it. You kind of know what I mean? And then I step back and and assume that other people have it handled and then I don't have to do anything. Kind of have a little bit of that going on. And I know it's hard though for working parents. You do your job all day. You work all day. You don't really want to spend your off hours, your own time doing more work for the school. But for me, being a stay-at-home dad, I feel like maybe I'm a little more obligated to step up and fill in one of these roles. I mean... I do have a second child that I take care of that isn't in school every single day. She only goes part-time, so that hinders me a little bit. 
but I'm thinking that I should at least get my background check done for the school so that I'm able to volunteer if I want to. And I think actually my kids are young enough, they may really enjoy seeing their dad at school helping out and doing stuff for their class or going on that field trip with them or something. I don't know. So looking for a little insight here. If someone wants to DM me or send me a message on my Instagram, please feel free to do that. All right, now all this stuff kind of is encompassed in the main topic that I want to talk about today. And you probably already read the title and saw the title, so you know what that is. But that's just being a positive role model and being a good role model, not only for our own kids, but for other kids and, like I mentioned, even adults as well. That whole leading by example concept. And this goes just beyond helping at a little dad's barbecue. It could be as simple as picking up trash that you see or helping somebody in the store. I'm, I'm a pretty tall guy. It tends to happen to me more often than you would think that someone asks me to grab something off of a high shelf for them. So it could be as simple as that. Or it could be as deep as talking to your spouse. The words we use, the tones we use. Tone is a big one. The little arguments, the big arguments that we get into or how we react to our kids when they aren't listening or they're not behaving or they're not eating their dinner or how we react to bad news or problems with work and how we talk to people on the phone or how we yell at the jackass driver in traffic. I know we've all done that before too. All these moments present themselves daily and whichever way we react to them is the behavior that we are going to model to our kids. And we just need to really remember who is watching because they're always watching, aren't they? Now, we know these kids are little emulators, little sponges, doing everything that we do constantly, probably more than we would even like, wanting to do everything we're doing from cooking, cleaning, as well as learning from our behavior that we're not trying to teach them. And we all know what's right, as in what we want to model to our kids, or goddamn, we should, shouldn't we? I guess I have seen some parents cussing in front of their kids, even laughing when their kids say the bad words themselves, or criticizing someone without even the slightest thought about what they're saying in front of their kids, like it's no big deal. And in my head, I'm just like, ah, like, what in the f*** are you doing? You're saying these things right in front of your kid. And they just do it, and they don't even bat an eye, and I don't understand why. Maybe some of that gets brushed under the rug a little bit, though, too. They just want to believe that the kids weren't listening when they were talking about how fat someone's gotten at work or how stupid someone's being or whatever the scenario may be. But I think most of us know when we screw up, like we really do. We've done things or said things, including myself. I'm not innocent here. And we've immediately regretted it or immediately thought like, oh man, why did I say that? Or you turn and look really fast to see who's around you, see if your daughter's right there or something like that. I know I've done that multiple times. Not really proud of it, but I've done it. I think we also know the importance of a good role model to our kids too. Kids look up to us. They see us as the way that they should be. They see the way we act and that's how they're going to act. So be it positive or negative, it could come from us, other parents, teachers, even athletes, or other people that should not be role models, or not good ones anyways. They're looking up to us for that guidance on how to live, or how to deal with all these different situations as they grow up. And when kids have strong, positive role models, they have a better chance of developing a positive lifestyle themselves. 
Like I said, they'll pick up habits and perspectives from us. They're looking at us and watching us, the good ones and the bad ones. And those things are going to stick with them for a lifetime. So I read a few articles, one on verywellfamily.com. I've referenced them before on this podcast. They seem like they have pretty solid information, as well as another one on educationandbehavior.com. It's some other parenting blog, I guess. And no, I have no affiliation with any of these articles. I don't really vet them or anything like that. I just do some research and do a lot of reading. And when I like what I see, I bring it here. So, But I'll link them in the show notes so you can check them out. But the Very Well Family article, the first question they ask in there is, what behavior are we modeling as parents? That sometimes we may be unknowingly modeling unhealthy behaviors, which I kind of already talked about, but... They list a few other subtle situations that we may not even realize. Telling kids to get off devices or off the TV and read more books, and then we proceed to sit down and look at our phones. I'm honestly guilty of that. I'll raise my hand there. Telling kids to be kind to others, yet the parent yells at store employees or even gets into fights with each other, with their spouses, or even lying and saying a kid is younger than they are so they can get into some place, a, a free meal or a free ticket to the zoo or whatever. And now that child is going to see that and then they're going to think that it's okay to lie to get what they want. Even little things like what we eat and what we drink, words and phrases that we say. I'll drink coffee in the morning and my kids will kind of come over when they wake up and they'll look at me and be like, oh, what do you have? And I'll tell them, be like, oh, it's it's coffee. It's something that you can't have. It's something for when you get older, but they'll still proceed to pour themselves a fake cup of coffee and have coffee with me in the morning. And it's, it's just something that they're seeing me do and they're emulating what I'm doing. Or my youngest daughter lately has said this phrase of, are you kidding me? And I don't know where she got it. Maybe she got it from me or my wife or something, but she says it when she gets very animated and it's actually quite funny, but she got that from somewhere. Maybe from a cartoon on TV, which reminds me of another influence on our kids, and that's TV. And that's a really big one that we may not realize or even think about. We have to make sure that they aren't modeling possible negative behavior from a cartoon or something else they're seeing on TV. I've noticed my youngest daughter pick up a few negative things from that show Bluey. We probably have all heard or seen that show Bluey. The kids negatively talk to the parents, boss the parents around or whatever, and my daughter became very bossy. She was saying things I didn't like. So I had to completely cut the show out for quite a while. She didn't like it, but she got over it. Just another area to be aware of. Those are just a few examples there that we just need to make sure that we really practice what we preach. And that actually goes to the next bullet point in this article is to follow our own rules, which can be very difficult at times. But Amy Morin, the writer of this article, says that even though it can be tough to model that behavior all the time, we need to really strive to do it. If we tell little white lies, then our kids are going to begin to think that that's acceptable. If we yell and don't talk calmly to our kids or our spouse and say tough situations, then how do we expect our kids to not yell and be loud and fight with their siblings. It kind of contradicts itself, doesn't it? She also says to use discipline that teaches life skills and explain how those rules will help them later in life. She mentions tact and explaining situations that may be confusing to younger kids, saying things in a certain way so you don't hurt other people's feelings and stuff like that. Kind of talked about that stuff in another show a few months ago. If you want to check it out, I'll link it or I'll do something so you can do that, but hopefully you already have. The article goes on and says to model life skills too. 
when things either go to plan or we slip up, that's okay. We can take that opportunity to talk to our kids about the situation. She says kids learn important lessons even when we make mistakes. I try to do this when I don't model that positive behavior myself. I'll make mistakes, I'll yell at my kids sometimes, it happens, or I'm complaining about some adverse thing that I can't control. I try to talk to my girls about it, apologize if I need to, that I reacted poorly in a situation, tell them that this is my first time being a dad, and that I make mistakes too, because it is. I've never been a dad before, this is all new. Even though my kid's eight, I've never dealt with an eight-year-old before, so every situation is new for me. Or if that car does something stupid in traffic, I try to tell my girls that we don't know what's going on in that other person's life. And even though it's easy to judge them, maybe we should cut them a little bit of slack. Kind of opens up that conversation a little bit to think about what other people are feeling. So even when things go our way or we lose or we don't get the outcome that we wanted, or we didn't handle something well, Amy says if we handle those things with grace and don't beat ourselves up about it, our kids will learn how to be kind to themselves when they make mistakes as well. Makes sense to me. So what positive examples or aspects can we model for our kids to keep them on a good track? We can teach them a healthy lifestyle, getting exercise, going for walks, making good food choices. Those all set good examples for our kids to follow. Plus it helps them possibly avoid becoming overweight even, keeps them very active. Avoiding the fast food, trying new foods, even for us, cooking more at home, playing outside rather than watching TV. Those are all great things that we can do and model for our kids. They also say, too, to not be too overbearing in this situation, being too controlling or obsessive about exercising and food and stuff like that. That could lead to a backfire and even body image issues depending on the age of your kid. I don't know when those type of issues start, but hopefully... They never do. Next, we can show respect and teach empathy. I think I've talked about empathy before as well. We want to raise our kids to be kind. Amy says the goal becomes reality when we model respect and empathy in our own life. Like I mentioned, being compassionate about that other driver on the road in that other car. We don't know what that person is going through. Or hearing about our friend's father who passed away. Use those situations to talk to your kids about how others may be feeling. Or when interacting with people at the store. Use manners, show children how to talk to people, greet somebody, meet new friends. I think I talk to my daughter about this honestly every time I walk into the bus. About be your kind self, I always say. Talk to your friends, make stronger bonds and connections with them. Ask them simple questions, how their weekend was or what they did last night. Just a lot of that small talk that allows you to become closer to somebody else. I'm not sure it's helping, but I'm trying. We also need to model working hard, doing things that aren't always fun, but they need to get done. Every kid needs a solid work ethic to succeed in life, and the best way to instill that is modeling it for them. She says to allow kids to see you working your job or doing chores or even doing chores as a family, doing them together. That's a great way to instill that value. I think it's also good to do things that are difficult as well or learn new things and show kids that not everything is going to be easy, but if we stick to it and we keep learning and growing, then more often than not, we will persevere. It's really difficult dealing with my girls when they try to do something once and it doesn't really work out the way they thought, and then they think it's too hard and they want to quit or they get angry. It's really hard for me to talk them through that when it seems like they 
don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. They just found out that they're not good at it initially, and they want to totally give up and get angry. But I think it really helps to show them that we have to work through those things and work at those things. We are not going to be perfect at all this stuff all the time either, especially the first time. The Very Well article also mentions volunteering. Ah, like I mentioned earlier, maybe this will give me some insight. I suppose I'm going to have to get used to doing some of it eventually. Amy says that when we volunteer in the community, or school in my case, we're showing our kids that we care about the world that we live in. So donating or volunteering in a community cleanup or a school is showing our kids that what goes on outside our homes is just as important as what happens in our homes. And giving back makes your community a better place. And kids will also learn to appreciate what they have when they volunteer themselves. And I know they could all use more of that. I think it's natural, but kids really seem to take for granted what they have. I was just talking to my kids about money the other day and explaining to them that everything costs something. And they, like, couldn't believe it. They couldn't understand it. I mean, from a kid's perspective, things just show up, right? Things just appear. The fridge is full of food. My drawers are full of clothes. My... My shoes are, you know, nice new shoes, whatever. And I was like, yeah, everything from the milk we drink to the hair ties in your hair all cost money. And they were taken aback a little bit, I think. They were kind of surprised. Like, really? Everything costs? And I was like, yes, everything costs money. So maybe I'm kind of opening their eyes to that a little bit. This next one in this article says to tackle technology issues, something that we all worry about. I know I worry about it all the time. I like to call this an addiction, a phone addiction, technology addiction maybe. How much screen time are the kitties getting? But do we ever reflect on how much screen time us adults are consuming? Or what type of behavior we're modeling when we're constantly consuming on our phones and computers and tablets and everything? And there's no one there to tell us to get off our phones either or get off our devices. Although my wife and I, we do kind of do this time to time. We'll get on each other about death scrolling through social media. We kind of jab at each other about it. But even though we're working and I'll lump my editing in there on my computer, why not? But like that tip I said earlier, even though we want our kids to see us working hard, we're still setting that example of how much screen time we are getting when we do that. Yes, it's impossible for us to avoid screen time without being fired or reprimanded, right? And I think it's okay to explain that to them, explain the reasons why we're doing it and we don't want them to do it. I think that's a rational thing to do. But I think we could also make a conscious effort to curb the non-working screen time, the death scrolling, or the zone out into the TV for hours. I think after hours, after work, we could really try to curb that, take our kids outside, do some other things. You know what I mean? So... I'm almost done, I promise. How do we keep ourselves in check? Keep ourselves being that role model that we want to be. First, don't forget you're being watched. All the freaking time we're being watched, okay? Even when we think they aren't paying attention, they are paying attention. And we just need to remember that what we say and what we do, they will say and they will do. Also, if we just take that extra second and think before we speak or act on certain situations, quickly play that moment through our head before we jump to a reaction, whatever it may be with your spouse or getting fed up with your kids or however it is. I like to go back to that traffic one as a good example. Just take a beat real quick and think of what's going to come out of your mouth before you say it. I'm not saying to just be some passive blob of jelly and don't do anything. But you don't have to scream and call that other car that cut you off a big giant dick face either, if you know what I mean. 
The same with other reactions at home too. Diving into a room of fighting sisters, going up there and yelling and rattling off a bunch of disciplinary actions is not always going to be the best approach. You know, going to 100 right away, screaming and bah, 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 you know, freaking out. It's not going to be the right way because they're going to see you do that. Even though they're getting yelled at and in trouble, they're going to see you reacting that way. And then you're modeling that behavior for them. I've noticed that I tend to sigh or huff and puff a lot when I get annoyed with my kids. Well, they pick up on it. They read my body language. They read my face pretty easily. Apparently my face paints a picture. And even though I try to analyze what I'm going to say before I say it, a lot of times my body language gets me kind of caught sometimes as to how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. With my spouse even as well. It's happened with her too. And it's really something that I need to work on. So apparently I paint a picture with my body language and people already know that I'm pissed off or irritated before I even say anything. My oldest daughter even saw my face one evening. I was getting him ready for bed, brushing teeth, and my younger one wasn't listening at all. And apparently my face was a certain way. I was frustrated, and she handed me a squish ball. She said, here, you can use this as a stress reliever. And how embarrassing is that? Also kind of funny that she knew that I was getting to that point. So yes, body language plays a huge part. Also, I think it's kind of important to involve them to a certain capacity in things we do. Instead of telling them that they can't or that it's too much of a hassle for us, we can involve them in certain things, teach them new things and experiences, do that stuff with them. I don't know, let them help cook a little bit, let them help cut some stuff with their little safety knives, maybe take them to the golf course, get them involved in grocery shopping or planting flowers, whatever, just stuff like that. I think that would be good to model those things to them. And remember, I'm no doctor or therapist or anything with a cool title. So just a regular person. Anyways, don't let yourself be like those dads treating camp out like social hour, cussing and swearing with the boys instead of spending that quality time with the kids. Also, if you try, it's not that difficult to turn swearing off. I've worked in construction for God's sakes. Like you hear a lot of foul mouths on a construction site. The f**ks and the f**ks and the f**ks and the... Stuff I can't even say. So just go to a construction site or a mechanic shop and you'll hear some salty sailor talk. And for me, it's always been really easy to turn off. I would talk that way too when you're in those situations. But when I get off from work and I would get home, boom, turned off completely. All right, well, that's about all I have for today's episode of Stay at Home Dad's podcast. Thank you for joining me on this lovely chat today. Hopefully I enlighten you to some capacity, but I think we can all be better in this department. Focus on being that great role model that our kids can look up to and that other people can appreciate. All this talk really does make me want to try harder to be that better person, to make some adjustments in with my own family on how I deal with things. So I don't know. What do you think? If you have any questions or comments for me, or if you know the proper amount of volunteering I should do at my daughter's school, I would love to hear from you. So please reach out to me on my social media or over on podbean.com. You can actually also follow me on Podbean. So if you would like to do that, go ahead. Also, if you would, please share the show on your social media or with a friend or a family member and let them know that they can get it on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, as well as Spotify and now Pandora. So there you go. All right. Thanks again for listening. And I will talk to you next week. <laughs>